Well, yeah, you, you want to be everywhere at the right time, but it's it's not always <laughs> possible, and uh, mm. especially for busy people. And uh, I, I I also think it's important to understand that uh, being passive or waiting waiting doesn't mean being passive. Waiting doesn't mean doing nothing. Mm. Waiting means that you do something else while something is happening. And um, a lot of people don't understand this. And um, they they constantly do basically only one thing. And that that's fine. Um, but they don't get very far when they, when they do that. Um, I always think it's interesting watching the parents. It's more interesting watching the parents than watching the children. Because the the parents are more stressed than the children are about the games, mm-hmm. and uh, my um, my mother, because she has a history as a physical education teacher and a sports coach, is very interested in uh, my son's sports activities, and. Um, she criticized me for not standing at the side of the game shouting at my son. And uh, mm-hmm. my my response is, it's not my job to coach my son. It's the coach's job to coach my son. The coach, the coach doesn't need five or six extra coaches That's on the, the sideline mm-hmm. telling, the, telling the players mm-hmm. what to do. Because that's really not very helpful i'm sure and i'm very happy to let the coach do the coach's job right you know let the doctor do the operations let the mechanic fix the car let the coach coach the team you you basically have one person in charge and they give the instructions to the team like the team only has one captain not five captains you only have one coach usually or one main coach um and all parents want it it's funny because is shouting at your child from the side of the game actually going to help your child play better i i don't think so because it doesn't work anywhere else in life right you know shouting at your friends doesn't really improve your relationship with them. Shouting at your employees doesn't make them feel better. Um, I, I, I don't see how it helps. And if the children are focused on the game, then they're not focused on you, so they can't hear you anyway. So if the child spends their time listening to you, then they can't play the game. It, it doesn't make any sense logically to me. Um, so when, so when my, my mother was at the side of the game and, uh, she was, uh, she was shouting at my son, watch the ball, watch the ball. And I was thinking, what, what else is there to do in the game? Uh, every, you know, everybody is watching the ball all of the time. That's the most important thing. It's like it's it's like shouting. Remember to run. Remember to walk. Remember to put your clothes on. Yeah, I, I, I don't. And of course, this this kind of management makes people feel better, 
right? Because they, I, like, mm. I, I, I did something. They, yes, they think, yes, they think they make everything. Yeah, yeah, they think it's it's as if they are playing, right? Mm. They are they they want to be or they want to be playing. Uh, it's uh, it's <laughs> it's projection. It it very often the not always, but very often the manager or the coach or the teacher takes responsibility for the success. And I think it's more about the individual people that create the success. So you can have people that help you, but um, yeah, for example, I think that maybe I can help you with something, but at the end of the day, the success of what you do is about your work, really. So, um, and it, it's the same with students um, and children as well. That. Uh, People say, "Oh, your your child has done very well. That's that's great. That's wonderful." And it's like, "Well, that's the the parents help, but at the end of the day, it's the child that's out there in the real world performing." And mm. of, of, of course, um, parental support is vitally important. But the support comes, and the support happens in the preparation for the game, not in the actual game. Yeah, it's not standing at the side shouting that makes a difference. It's, you know, spending an hour or two hours a day practicing hitting a ball against a wall or training or learning something connected with what it is that you want to do. It's uh, the differences in what people don't see. You know, all the preparation, all the practice, all the training, all the work going on. In, in the background, it's like um, when you when you uh, watch like the Olympics or some big sporting event. You all you see is one percent of this person's activity because maybe they trained every day for five or ten years to get to that place. Maybe they trained for twenty years, maybe longer, to uh, mm -hmm. to get there. And uh, it's it's interesting. Just listening to the parents shouting their uh, phrases, normally, normally at their own children, because they're focused on their own children. They don't see the team; they just see their own kids. And mm -hmm. uh, and I, I wonder if there's any great great benefits. Um, one of the parents um, was was really excited about his son scoring a goal and. I, I, I don't know what to think about that. It's nice that parents are there. It's nice that parents involve themselves in their children's activity. Um, at the same time, it's kind of funny. Because uh, you, you, you want your team to win, but... You know, at the end of the game... Because I, 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 I wasn't... I was there the whole time, but I was doing a few other activities. And... Uh, um, I asked my son what the score was at the end, and he said, I don't know. If you feel like you progressed, if you feel like a winner, that that's enough, right? Um, so, playing the game, winning. W winning, is the, winning is part of the game, but it's not really the aim. Um, there's a social philosopher called Jordan Peterson, and he has a, 
um, he has a speech that um, sport is philosophy for stupid people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really good. It's a really good speech about the connection between philosophy and sport and how if somebody is not intellectual enough to be able to read history and to understand philosophy, um, then sport is the closest connection that they will ever have to philosophy. Uh, Because philosophy, the, the essence of philosophy is understanding change within society, how it changes and does not change at the same time. And games are the, the word game actually means generation of aim. That's what it means. G-aim, game. Yeah, and it means the generation of aim or the generation of a target or a goal, the creation of uh, something you want to achieve, an achievement, and working purposefully to get the result, to get to get that achievement. And uh, yeah, it's very much true that the the dedication to excellence required in sport is very much similar to the dedication of excellence required in 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 philosophy. Uh, and there are, and there's so much more <laughs> mm-hmm. that uh, uh, that can be learned there. But uh, it's interesting. Uh, and the, the I wonder if the parent, I wonder if the, the sometimes the parents think they're actually playing the game, not the their children. So yeah, th- there are also amazing contradictions in. The way that sport is organized with children. Um, let, let me give you one example. Um, so my son is probably the worst player on the team. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe or he's, he's definitely not one of the better players. Um, but he he contributes and he puts in effort and he understands the need for teamwork and he he works hard to to do what he can. Um, but if you are if you are one of the weaker players, and then this is natural. But if you are one of the weaker players, then you get less game time. And if you are one of the stronger players, you get more game time. You play mm-hmm. more, mm-hmm. which is natural, right? That's it's understandable. It's natural. It's also counterintuitive to progress because. The players who are not strong need more game time to get better, and the players who are very good, well, they're they're very good, right? So uh, they need to maybe get up to the next level or try to play in a different position or mm-hmm. to be given some different responsibilities. For example, if you are a good defender, they put you in defense. They don't work on your skills in other places. Mm-hmm. If you are a good Goal scorer, they put you up front in attack. They don't put you in, in other positions where maybe you need to develop your skills. So, um, so it, it, it's interesting because I know my son is not so good and we work on his skills, 
but also when he plays a game, he gets less game time. So how can he possibly improve mm-hmm. when he doesn't get the game time? I don't see how it's actually possible to uh, to do something about that. So uh, it's it's an interesting contradiction that. Uh, um, the, the, naturally, the good players get more more of something which maybe they don't need. Yeah, because mm-hmm. if you've got a strong team, then you probably win anyway. Yeah, and you never see you never see the coach take the good players off for a while. And I think that that is actually very good for the team. If you take some of the better players off for a period of time, because number one, it teaches the team to play without the better players, mm-hmm. uh, which they will never learn if they don't have that. And number two, it gives the better player an opportunity to step outside of the game and to see what is happening in the game. Because when you're in the game, you can't see the game. And so when you step out of the game, you can then observe everything that is happening. And the coach can then say to the better players, hey, see how that player over there is doing that and see how that space appears there and you know work to get into that, which you, you can't do if the players is actually you know running up and down the field all the time chasing the ball. So... Uh, um, so I, I would probably make a terrible coach because, <laughs> yeah, it's nice to give them an opportunity, um, especially when they're very young. And it might be an opportunity that they don't get later in life. You know, a lot of, a lot of people play sport when they're young, but do less of it when they're older. Mm-hmm. So, so I think that, uh, um, there's there's a lot to be to be learned from that. Um, there's a lot of uh, community and teamwork skills and social skills involved. Um, it's uh, it, it's good in general. I think I think it's all good. Oh, we do we do all these things when we are young because we can. We have the time and we have the freedom. We. Uh, we we run in the park. We swing on the swings. We climb the trees. We mm-hmm. chase our friends. We uh, we fall off our bicycles. We yes, yes. It's a little bit crazy that we have created sports out of these activities. Um, I think uh, recreational activities becomes sports for some reason, which is. It has a positive side. It can take the technology forward, and uh, things can improve. So uh, that's nice. I, I find cycling a very strange sport because for me it's a recreational activity. It's, it's something you do with your kids for for fun. The idea that people will get on a bicycle and cycle as fast as possible around a country, like the the Tour de France or something, mm-hmm. is is very strange. The fact that people will sit and watch this is mm-hmm. even stranger. That uh, yeah. the people run home from work to turn on their television and watch ah. people, watch yeah. people cycling. I I have this um, 
because I'm not normal and I do all these strange experiments, um, I have this exercise bicycle here and I I put on like a VR headset mm-hmm. and uh, I, I had the uh, Tour de France on my VR headset and I was, I was on my exercise bicycle. Oh. Because <laughs> I, I wanted to see if if it makes any sense, if it was actually like a kind of real experience uh, to do it, or it made the experience more interesting or fun or whatever. And uh, it was, it was interesting. It's not really very practical, but it was, it was kind of interesting because you, you're on the bicycle and obviously you're not moving, but you feel like you're moving because you have the VR headset, you have mm-hmm. the virtual reality headset <clears throat> and you can look around. So you can you can be like in the Tour de France, like you're like you're looking at the countryside and the cars and the people, and uh, mm-hmm. and you're in the you're in the the peloton, the pack of cyclists, and it's I don't know if you can if you can turn fitness into fun, if you can turn fitness into a game, it's always uh, it, it's always better. Maybe that will be a part of what people do in the future but it's still not as good as getting a bicycle and going outside and Mm -hmm. cycling which is fine if you live in a nice country where you have nice weather you know if if you're in slovakia in the summer or you live in california or mexico maybe um, you can get a bicycle and cycle in the nice weather and it's uh, it's it's great if you live in scotland where 50 percent of the time it's raining and you can't really go outside and do much then um, uh, you focus more on being inside and doing things Mm. inside so uh, uh, maybe or if you um you know, the further north you live, the, the darker it is in winter. So there's only like four hours of, of light. So uh, it's uh, it's a little bit crazy. But then on the other hand, in summer, you have 20 hours of light. So um, mm-hmm. you have all the advantages and disadvantages um, together.